as we all know, NFL draft season is lying season. A time when GMs, coaches, and agents all share their half-truths about their plans moving forward. Except when they don't. I'm Glenn Naughton with Jet Nation Radio and JetNation.com. Be sure to log into JetNation.com where you can register and become a part of what is the most active Jets message board on the web. So Jets GM Joe Douglas recently met with reporters at the annual owners meetings. Douglas answered the normal slew of questions, the normal canned answers, except for one where Douglas said something that couldn't ring more true and probably tells us what direction the Jets will head come draft time. Talking about escalating salaries of quarterbacks and receivers making $25, $30 million a year and how to compete with that and how to plan for that. And Douglas said, the best way to beat those guys is get them off the field. Hit them. Get guys who can get to the quarterback, hit the quarterback, get the offense off the field. That's what the Jets need. It's what every team needs. But it's what the Jets lack in a big way. And listen... I understand the Jets have needs up and down the roster. Okay, there are holes on offense. There are holes on defense. But when you talk about premium positions and and lack of personnel to fill those positions, for the New York Jets, no position stands out more than edge. Don't talk to me about wide receiver in the first round. If you don't think Elijah Moore can be a, a wide receiver one, you're wrong. He's going to be that. And I see people, Corey Davis isn't a wide receiver one, he's a wide receiver two. Great, because that's what he can be in this offense. Elijah Moore's your one, Corey Davis your two, Braxton Berrios, and probably they will take a receiver at some point. If they add enough picks, they might take a couple receivers. That's fine. But Moore, Davis, Berrios, you've added Conklin, you've added Uzama, and you're probably going to add some more receivers. There are enough players there that you don't have to use pick four or pick ten on a wide receiver. You've signed DJ Reed. You've got Bryce Hall. Corner, you can upgrade, but there's not a complete absence of talent. You've signed Whitehead to play safety. You have some guys who played all right down the stretch last year. I get it. Ashton Davis seemed to improve a little bit, but again here... Even if, even if you didn't have Whitehead, from a positional value standpoint, Edge wins again. So even if you didn't have Whitehead, which you do, if you look up in that O-line, the O-line is, your starting five is set. Yes, there are questions about Makai Becton. Maybe this year, the right guard doesn't get tossed into the back of him, and he stays on the field. And Joe Douglas said, we are planning on having Mekhi Becton as our starter, which I get he's going to say that about anybody. But why wouldn't you believe that? He's the 11th overall pick two years ago who has, as we've discussed before, his highlight reel looks like that of a Hall of Famer. The problem is it is, is that it's not long enough because of the injuries. But the thought of taking Ikemi Kwanwu at four, I don't see that happening. And I loved Ikwanwu. He was the guy I wanted when it was sort of, you know, when the O-line, be, before they went out and signed Tomlinson, because you could have plugged Iquanu in, the, in there at guard to groom him for a year and then let Fant walk and go from there. But as it stands right now, Mekhi Becton's working out. You're probably seeing the videos. He's getting himself in shape. If Becton comes in in shape and Fant is Fant again, and you've got Tomlinson, you've got AVT, you've got McGovern, you're going to tell me Joe Douglas is going to draft a guy 
where there's a 40 or 50 or 60, maybe better, maybe 70% chance he doesn't play? This team needs results now. They have to start winning some games. And you don't do that by drafting a hypothetical potential maybe backup this year because he'll start next year. They need to start doing things now. This isn't about addressing the 53. This is for Joe Douglas about addressing about addressing the starting 22. And you're not taking a guy at four if you think there's a really good chance he won't be in the starting 22. Unless you think you can trade Fant, fine, I can live with that. But you're going to bench Fant? I mean, even if you did that and you make the argument, well, you're playing the better players because, you know, Becton at full health and Iquanwu, their their upgrades, fine. But Fant is still a very good player, and this team is in no position to be benching very good players. So that brings us back to Edge. Mike Tannenbaum recently did an interview in which he said, when he and put your feelings aside about Mike Tannenbaum, he couldn't have been more right. He said, when we put our board together, our offseason plan, we looked at positions where we needed players, and we looked at positions where we absolutely had to have players. Like, if we don't address that need, we're not going to have enough guys to field a team on Sundays. And that's kind of where the Jets are at edge right now, even with the Carl Lawson situation, because you don't know what you're getting from him. Carl Lawson just missed an entire season with an injury. It's happened to him in college as well. So this is a guy who's had two major lower, uh, lower leg injuries, and he's due to make a ton of money. If he loses even a half a step, Carl Lawson, he becomes the most overpaid guy on this roster, and he's gone after this season. And you've got what at edge rusher if Carl Lawson is gone? And that's it. Look, I get it. He might come back. He might be 100%. He might get 15 sacks. Highly unlikely. Give me 10. I'll take 10. But as it stands right now, at edge, the Jets have Carl Lawson. That's it. Carl Lawson coming back off of an injury, who will be the most overpaid guy on the roster if he's not the same guy he was before. So you're Joe Douglas. You've got four picks in the top 38. I say two of those should be edge. It's outside of quarterback, you could argue, it's the most important position on the field because they're the guys who have the biggest impact in slowing the quarterback down. Even corners, even getting elite Shut down corners in this day and age in the NFL. The rules are so skewed toward offense, they get neutralized all the time. We see corners give up big plays in big spots all the time. There might be one or two guys who you can look at and say, they're not going to look that guy's way. Other than that, corners just get thrown on. Guys, the record books are being shattered, okay? Look at last year. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen in the postseason. And that last couple minutes when they're just throwing the ball down the field and nobody has a prayer at slowing them down. Got marching up and down the field in 40 seconds, fine in the end zone. If somebody's there to hit them, maybe that doesn't happen. If there's pressure there, maybe that doesn't happen. But the Jets right now, they have some guys on the interior. You've got Quinn and Williams who's a better player than a lot of people give him credit for, but still needs to be better than that, which he acknowledged himself. John Franklin Myers does a really nice job on the inside. There's this lazy narrative that Franklin Myers didn't produce after he signed his deal, so he got fat and lazy. Listen, 
I get the frustration that the sacks weren't there. But the guy had enough hits and pressures on the quarterback. That doesn't happen by accident. You don't go out there lazy and get 25, 30 quarterback pressures. It just doesn't happen. If you're lazy on an NFL field on a Sunday during the game, you're not getting any pressures. You're not getting any anything because you're lazy and the other guy isn't and he's beating you up and down the field. So yes, the lack of production, the dip in production from Franklin Myers in terms of sacks, frustrating, but he was still having an impact. He was still hurrying the quarterback. You give me John Franklin Myers with Quinn and Williams on the inside and then maybe either, either a Kayvon Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson, or Trevon Walker. Now, you know, with, with pick 4 or 10, now you add to that, say say pick 38, you take Arnold Ebicady, who I, I profiled in a JetNation.com prof, uh, uh, draft player profile a couple months back. Ebicady is a guy who's going to get to the QB. Get a couple guys. Sean Ellis, John Abraham. That's what, that's what Bill Parcells did. Bill Parcells knew he needed to be able to pressure quarterbacks. And, I mean, and this was at a time when it wasn't nearly as important as it is now. Now it's everything. If you don't have the quarterback, which the Jets still don't know if they do, you better be able to get to the other quarterback. And drafting Ikemi Kwanwu to potentially be a backup doesn't get you to the quarterback and potentially gets you nothing this year. The Jets aren't going to throw away another year. I mean, they're not winning the Super Bowl this year, spoiler alert, but they need to be better. And Ikemi Kwanwu sitting on the bench doesn't make them better. And even if he were to start and you bench George Fant, it makes them better, but you still have one of your best on the bench. The Jets can't afford that. They need to, It's got to be about positional value and guys who are going to be on the field. And I get, you know, what what did so yesterday somebody said, um, if you don't draft Iquanwu and Becton gets hurt again, now you're down to McDermott. Okay, well, first of all, you can you can take a, a tackle in the second or third if you find a guy you like. There will be other guys who will come available at some point, possibly. And with that logic, why not draft Kenny Pickett? Because Zach Wilson is one play away. From you having to turn to, you know, 64-year-old Joe Flacco. Better take a quarterback. Otherwise, what what happens if, if, if Zach Wilson gets hurt? These are, using that, you know, drafting Ikemi Kwanwu to not play right now, that's a move you make if you're, already, if you're already a team that's ready for deep playoff runs. And you feel like we need, to, we need to reinforce the trenches and be ready to have another guy ready to step in at a high level if this guy gets hurt. That's a luxury pick. Pick four and ten because you stink and you're a doormat and you're winning four or five games a year. You don't draft guys who aren't going to play day one where the expectation isn't that they will start 16 games if they are healthy. So as much as I love Iquan, when I talked him up for weeks, months, he was my he was my top choice. You know, for a while I was like, I can't, you know, get, get Icky at four. Plug him in at left guard. Next year, Fant walks. And then you move him and Becton to wherever you want after that. You sign Lakin Tomlinson. That that was it. That brings an end to any dreams of adding Ikemi Kwanwu. It just doesn't make any sense. Again, for a team that isn't good, yes, it makes sense if you're the if you're the Chiefs, if you're the if you're the Rams, and you want to add depth and 
backups where you're just ready to reload. The Jets aren't reloading. They're trying to load to begin with. So Joe Douglas, in saying the way you beat these teams is get the quarterback off the field, the way you get the quarterback off the field is hit him, that tells me 4, 10, one of those two is going on an edge rusher. I would guess 4. If I had to put my money on it, I'm I'm saying edge rusher at 4. Whether it's Kayvon, where there's some heat now, you got Daniel Jeremiah saying there's some questions about his his effort, which Jeremiah's been saying for weeks now. Daniel Jeremiah also said he spoke to a a, a a coach who coached against Thibodeau and told him, we didn't game plan for the guy. We just told our lineman, get your hands on him, and he gives up. That's Listen, that that's for the evaluators to decide if they see the same thing there. But whether it's Thibodeau, whether it's Walker, whether it's Jermaine Johnson, whoever it is, four, to me, is a trade down or an edge. And not a crazy trade down. I'm not saying move down to, you know, 25. I think you try to trade down and stay in the top half of the first round. Keep an eye on the Saints, right? The Saints just made a deal to to move up a little bit. They need a quarterback. Maybe they want a quarterback. And what, what can really help the Jets here, and it's a little bit ironic, Sam Darnold's terrible play last year could end up benefiting the Jets again. Not only did it give them a good draft, put them in good draft position, but teams are now looking at the Carolina Panthers as a threat, like they might take a quarterback. So if you're picking it's 15, 16, 17, and you need a QB, and you're looking up and thinking, man, we got to get ahead of Carolina. We got to call the Giants, and we got to call the Jets, sitting at four. So the Sam Darnold trade may not be done paying dividends in terms of teams wanting to now jump the Panthers because the Panthers, after giving up all that capital, still need a quarterback. Something worth keeping an eye on. So, edge at four, absolutely. Trade down, possibly. Like I said, maybe you get Karlaftis in the middle of the round and another guy later, whatever it may be. But I don't think you can go into the season with just Carl Lawson being the question mark he is and one rookie edge rusher. I just don't see it. As I said with the receivers, it is a need. But I I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. People are talking about this Jets receiving core as if it's three or four years ago and it's Robbie Anderson and a bunch of nobodies. Not the case. Elijah Moore, like I said, mark my words, he will be a wide receiver one. A lot of Jets fans like, oh, I like E. Moore, but he's not a wide receiver one. They think every wide receiver one has to be 6'4". Not the case. It's rare, but you do get guys. I've mentioned it before, Tyree Kill, Steve Smith. Not every number one receiver is 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Just doesn't happen that way. So receiver is a need, but not a dire need. It can be addressed in round two, three, four. Listen, I think Christian Watson goes in round one. George Pickens, questionable. You know, the health history, but man, can that guy play. He's The more I watch of him the more he becomes one of my favorite receivers in this class. Wandale Robinson, give me Jahan Dotson. I've been banging that drum since last year. Dotson's my favorite guy in this class, best hands in the class, quick, fast, crisp routes, and catches everything. You make him your third receiver with Moore and Davis, listen, he's ready to go. In terms of, you know, would I say draft Jahan Dotson to be, you know, in the first round to be your wide receiver one? No. No, but can he line up as your third or fourth option as a rookie and make some plays and be a safety blanket with the, with those hands for Zach Wilson, 
underneath, over the top, absolutely. He can beat you deep. He can beat you underneath, quick in and out of his cuts, ran a 4-4-7. He's got so many tools to be a good player. If you took Dotson at 35 or 38, I would be ecstatic with that. And then in the later rounds, maybe you draft a, you know, uh, uh, well, Bo Melton. Well, you probably don't draft both those guys. Wandale Robinson's a guy I love. Alec Pierce. I see him mocked in the third round. The guy's an athletic freak. He's the big guy, 6'3". Maybe, maybe if things don't work out with Corey Davis, Pierce becomes the guy who takes that job. But if you had Alec Pierce and Jahan Dotson in the second and third round and a couple of edge rushers early, I, I, don't, I, I don't see how you could argue that. You're then giving Zach Wilson a ton of weapons. And you're giving Robert Sala some guys. Listen, we all know it. It doesn't need to be said. But adding multiple quality pass rushers is going to make the secondary that much better. And then you get a corner. You you know, take a corner in the middle rounds, fine. But with the guys you have, you're, you're not going to get high-level starters at every position in just a couple of years. Which brings me to my next topic, Joe Douglas. I still see people saying that, you know, that Joe Douglas has had this much time to do this many things. And the roster, the team has to be better. They are. It almost look at this. Look at the roster he inherited and compare it to what's in place now. And I don't think you can find a spot where they're not significantly better. Has that translated to wins on the field? No. Maybe. May, maybe expecting to go from a non an NFL roster that's barely got a few NFL players on it. Maybe expecting them to turn that around in a couple seasons is asking a little too much. I think it's about this year and moving forward. And if we see another strong draft class like we did last year, I don't want to hear a word about how Joe Douglas isn't doing a good job as a Jets GM. He's, he's not been perfect. I know we've talked about that many times over. But I think that the, the Joe Douglas hate or the, 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 the notion that this team must must be a playoff, why aren't there playoff mandates? How many owners have playoff mandates? I, and I'm being serious. I can't remember the last time an NFL owner came out before a season and said the head coach is fired if this team doesn't make the playoffs. I just I don't think it's a thing, and I, I, I often see fans demand it. Why don't the Jets have playoff mandates? Because nobody has playoff mandates, and there is context involved. As I discussed in a previous video, the whole next man up mantra, which, unless you're in the locker room or the huddle, is beyond moronic. It's just dumb. If you construct a roster that, on paper, everyone in the building agrees is much better than it was a year or two before, and then a couple guys get suspended and four or five key players get hurt. I'm talking like key, key guys, quarterbacks, starting left tackles, best your best receivers. Nobody in their right mind maintains the same expectations. Nobody. And like I said, I'll, you know, the short version of it that I gave last time. If you were placing a bet on a team that you loved and you thought this is the, the surest bet I've ever seen in my life and on the way to the casino... You find out that the quarterback, the running back, a couple of the receivers, the tight end, the left tackle, they all they all got, you know, they're all on the shelf with COVID or they all got hurt. Are you still making that bet? Are you, oh yeah, next man up, just next man up? No. The logical part of you is going to say, I've got to adjust my expectations because this isn't the same team it was when I left my hotel to make that bet this morning. 
And that's basically the way any ownership should be looking at a season. So to say this team needs to win X amount of games or the or the GM is fired. Well, okay, and then then four of your five top players are out for the season and you and you you only improve marginally from the last year and then you're you're going to fire the GM for that and especially as we've talked about the Makai Becton thing. When you have a guy with no injury history, I don't know how you get mad at a GM that a guy gets hurt. It's NFL football. Guys get hurt. You can't it's hard enough to predict and project what these guys will be when they get to the next level. Now you want us to you 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 want us to get mad at a general manager? You know, us as in fans and observers and whoever, you want them to get mad because a GM picked a guy who was never hurt who then got hurt? It's I mean, we, let's let's maintain some level of sanity here. Um which again, I <laughs> today's world not the easiest thing, right? But listen, as it stands, Jets are at 4, 10, 35, 38. Those are the key picks for this team. I say, at the very least, they need to take a serious look at two edge rushers. If not, look, they had Perrion Winfrey in for a visit today. Oklahoma defensive tackle, who's probably going to be a monster. If you add him, he's a guy who can play on the inside and pressure the quarterback. Fine, if that's what you want to do, go for it. You know, Sheldon Rankin is only here for another year, and he was... He was he was a disappointment last year, as I've said before. He's a guy I don't understand how he looks like an all-world player for a couple of snaps, and then does very little, you know, for many more snaps. But even if you go edge at four and Perry on Winfrey with thirty-five or thirty-eight, I can see that I can live with that. But as you know, and, and the reason for me personally, the reason I cite Daniel Jeremiah a lot, he's probably the most prominent draft voice out there, one of the more respected guys. And as he said the other day, he says there are 20 edge rushers in this class that he really likes. Like, that's how deep this class is. I've said a few times, I love the depth at tight end, I love the depth at linebacker, and I love the depth at edge. These are all spots, and receiver, receiver's going to be deep for the rest of time. Everyone's playing receiver. Out of high school, out of college, especially now that now that they're making QB one money, receivers are, you're, you're only gonna have that pipeline get stocked even more with young guys who wanna you want to make the catches, you want to make the highlight reels, you want to make the money. Receiver is gonna be stocked consistently, so that's where we are right now. The Jets four in the top thirty eight. Expect at least one edge early. Should take another one later. Yes, they should address address receiver at some point. I believe they will. They should address running back at some point. We'll t- we'll cover that another time. Tight end, all the depth there. Maybe you take a guy developmental behind the two guys you just signed. There's a lot of options. That's what's going to make this year so much fun. I don't know about you guys. I'm pumped and ready for this draft. I want it here now. But as I said at the top, Joe Douglas told you, if you want to get off the field, you want your defense to get off the field against these 20 and $30 million offensive players, hit the quarterback. The way you're going to do that, draft a couple of guys, one early, one later, and get to the quarterback. Fix what was the worst defense in team history last year. I'm Glenn Naughton for Jet Nation Radio. Be sure to log in, as I said, to JetNation.com, and be sure to listen to Jet Nation Radio with Alex Varallo and Dylan Terriman. They do the night show. I do the morning one. That'll do it for now. Have a great one, Jets fans, and the draft is almost here. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.